Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. This week we are talking about The Darkest Night by Alyssa Thorne. This is an After Dark episode and we're going to discuss it. So we'll be discussing sex, so be warned. Uh, we were going to do God's Grave, but the universe <laughs> did not work with us and it just didn't work out. So hopefully next week. <laughs> no, that's no. not right. It won't be next week. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we We will get to it. We'll get to it. We just had other stuff come up. Yes. Okay, so I'm doing the characters this week and Marissa will do the plot. So we have our main female lead, Athena Edgeworth. She's a mercenary. She specializes in finding rare objects and returning them to their rightful owners. She loves knives and is a total badass. She is named Athena because she was found in Russia as a child and she was covered in blood holding a knife after a massacre had happened. We have our main male lead and Athena's love interest, Constantius Zalam. He is a historian and, like Athena, a mercenary. He specializes in finding rare and magical objects. However, unlike Athena, he does not return them to their rightful place. Instead, he gives the objects to his boss, Liddell. When Khan was a child, his parents were murdered by Liddell, and he has spent years trying to gain the trust of him so that he can get revenge. He has made quite a name for himself and is known as the Basti of Istanbul. He is described as being tall with jet black hair. Next, we have Silas Edgeworth. He's Athena's father, so he's the one who found her in Russia and decided to adopt her. He is also a mercenary, and he's known for being ruthless and calculating. He has been a very supportive father to Athena, and he also goes by the codename Zeus. Next, we have Isabella Silversmith. She works with Athena and Silas. She is their hacker, and she's very intelligent and beautiful. She's also funny, so she calls Athena out. And she's able to always get the team things like fake passports, find exit plans, and uh, find planes they can take. She's very helpful. Uh, Her codename is Silver Lady. Uh, Next, we have Dante. He's the muscle of Edgeworth's team, and he obviously is also a mercenary. We have Leo, and this is Khan's hacker. Uh, Like Isabella, he is intelligent and has a good sense of humor. And we have our bad guys, Liddell and Gadal. They are part of an ancient occult organization known as Golden Dawn. The organization is responsible for the death of Khan's family and the massacre that Athena was found at. Uh, The group seems to want to use magic in order to communicate with gods. Okay, Marissa, would you like to pick up with our plot? Yep. So our story begins with two strangers who meet in a bar in Cyprus. Athena Edgeworth has just acquired an ancient holy book one of the best finds of her life and is celebrating with a drink when a handsome stranger named Khan slides up to the bar next to her. Their connection is instant and explosive and they have a passionate night together. But when Athena wakes in the morning, she discovers that she's been bamboozled. Khan has stolen her ancient manuscript and in doing so has started a major rivalry. Cut to three years later, Khan is tied to a chair in an Indonesian gambling den after getting caught trying to steal an ancient wooden medallion for his boss, Liddell. In his last moments before his captors kill him, he is thinking about Athena and the rivalry they've crafted over the last three years. When Athena saunters in, shoots his captors, and takes the medallion for herself, leaving him to free himself on his own. Um, Khan does not appreciate this, but he is able to free himself from the rest of his captors before making his way to Athena's hotel room where they hate bang all night long. Athena wakes to find that Khan has stolen 
all but one of her passports, and she makes her way to her safe house in London, where she plans to meet up with her father, Silas, when he is finished with his current job. Khan returns to Turkey and has to lie to his boss about why he hasn't returned with the wooden medallion and in doing so throw any sort of attention off of Athena because his boss starts asking questions about her and he doesn't want his boss to know anything about Athena. Both Khan and Athena ponder why they haven't just killed each other already and Khan begins making arrangements to sever ties with his boss, Liddell. Um, it's time to move forward with his plans to kill him, um, but first he has to get interest away from Athena. So Athena is bored in London between jobs when she sees a news story that an ancient staff has been stolen. She contacts her friend and hacker, Isabella, who discovers that the staff is being auctioned off in Turkey, which is Khan's territory, and she makes plans to steal it from whoever buys it at the auction. So Athena arrives at the auction, and of course, Khan is there for his boss, Liddell, but Liddell is suspicious of Khan's relationship with Athena. At the auction, Khan confronts Athena and encourages her to leave, but he gets a call from Liddell, who is monitoring things remotely, and Liddell is pissed about what he sees. So he puts a hit out on Khan and Athena and everyone connected to them. And so Khan and Athena have to escape from the auction in a haze of gunfire. They go to Khan's safe house in Turkey, notify their friends of the situation so they can bug out and everyone makes plans to come to Khan's safe house. It seems Liddell is part of a secret organization feature that explores magic or is magical, and it's called Golden Dawn, and he killed Khan's parents when Khan was a kid, and so Khan has made revenge his mission, um, but Liddell and his secret mag magic organization are super hard to get any information on. And so Athena's dad, Silas, and the rest of the gang arrive, and Silas is pissed because he's been trying to keep Athena off the radar of this organization for her whole life uh, since he found her in the woods in Russia covered in blood. And so now not only are they interested in Athena, but they also have this hit out on him, and it's even more important than ever that they deal with Liddell and the Golden Dot. So Khan and Athena go see Khan's former boss who gives them the name of someone who might know something about Liddell, which leads them to a warehouse in Germany where Athena ends up in a deathmatch cage fight. And only after she's won, will they get any more informa any information. And so she wins, obviously, because she's amazing. And Riker, their contact in Germany, gives them this really cryptic clue that leads them to a club called Earthly Delights in Edinburgh, Scotland. And so mysterious reports about people in the area uh, have turned up uh, where the people have been drugged and covered in cuts saying that they've been chased through the woods. And so all of these things seem like it might lead them to the right area because the cuts are similar to what was done to Khan's parents before they were killed. And so to learn more, Khan's hacker, Leo, volunteers to be bait, and Athena's co-worker and fellow mercenary, Dante, volunteers to be his protection. Um, Dante is attracted to Leo and isn't comfortable with him being bait, and so they go to the Earthly Delights Club, and Leo is super chummy with a cute bartender, and Dante is a little too protective of him. So Leo tells him to back off, and goes to dance when the chummy bartender finds him dancing and tells him about this friend that he has who's having a party out in the woods. And so the bartender brings Leo back to the bar where he makes him a drink and suddenly Leo is incapacitated and being led out to a car in an alley. And Dante was fending off advances from other people in the club. And in the few seconds that his eyes were, were off of Leo, he's gone. So what's happened to Leo? Are they going to find him? Will Liddell be with him? Are they going to find him and get answers about Khan's parents? And will Khan get his revenge? Well, 
You'll have to read the book to find out or keep listening. This is your spoiler warning. So, Marissa, this was your first read, yes? Yes, this is my first read. What did you think? I liked it. Um, there, so I, this author, Alessa Thorne, she released the first chapter on her webpage a couple of weeks ago. And so I read the first chapter and it's like, this sounds spectacular. So I was really excited to read this book and I really enjoyed it. What did you think? I absolutely loved this. I read it once. Yeah. So I read it twice and I loved it both times. I just wish it had been longer. And I think I say this about all of her books. Yeah. I feel like I say this all the time about her books is that I just want them. I just want more I of want them. More. Yes. I, want I more. wish that it was longer. And I feel like, I mean, a, a lot of Alessa Thorne's books are kind of shorter. So they're anywhere from like a hundred in 75 to 250 pages they're shorter I mean rel- and especially relative to the books we we've been reading where they're like 700 pages long um this seems really short and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just that this author has so much room to develop her plot elements just a little bit more to make the book a little bit longer and to draw me in a little bit more. Like I'm already there. I'm already interested. I want more from this story. There's magic. Uh, and she, she introduces the magical, like she introduces this magical cult. So there are magical elements. We just don't know anything about them. And that, I mean, you could have taken up space in the book with that alone. Like what kind of magic is it? Is it blood magic? Is it dark magic? What type of elemental, what kind of magic are we using? We could have, she briefly talks about the golden dawn. There's so much room to share more information about them, to draw me in more, um, to draw your reader in more. And so I wish that we had had that. I want to know more about them. Like I love magic mm-hmm. and stories. I want to know more about the magic that's being used. Yeah. The first time I read this, it seemed like there really wasn't, I mean, it wasn't until much, I don't know, probably more than 50% into the book when magic started kind of being at like active part of this book. Mm-hmm um they finally actually really started talking about it and kind of exploring it um so it was interesting that so much of it was mainly kind of like real world-ish sort of stuff um and then you've got this magical element uh kind of thrown in there that I would love to see more developed yeah um and go into more but yeah so like even with Athena's history too and I don't know if this is something that she's saving for I hope that there are more books in this series because like she introduced these characters and I love them I would love to see more stories about them um but Athena's history Mm -hmm. is I mean she was found in the woods covered in blood after all these people had slaughtered themselves there is a lot to explore there Yes. I want to learn more about that. And Khan's history too, because we do have a flashback scene with Khan where he re he's experiencing his parents' death again. Um yeah. And could have been more for that. Yeah. I'd like to see him develop his magical powers more too. Like we really saw, I think the biggest that we saw them, he knocked lights out and then he was growing the plant. Yeah, that's going to be the main the uh, main things we saw. But let's back up a little bit. I want to talk about uh, her being found covered in blood holding a knife. Mm-hmm. So it's mentioned that at the time, Silas is 18 years old, like just out of the army, right? Out of the military in some way. Or no, or just going in? No, what I don't think it? he's, he, I don't think he's 18. He okay, just got out of the military. He said, uh, that he joined when he was 18. Yeah. So then he was like in his 20s. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I got the timeline messed up in my brain. But he finds this child covered in blood with a knife and is like, I'll keep her. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? 
It's interesting. I mean, he was traumatized by his experience in the military. And he started this job as a mercenary, Mm -hmm. which I don't even know how you get started doing a job like that. I mean, you don't put in applications, right? I guess you must be recruited by, I guess, organizations. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This is a question for the the mercenaries. Um, But he's jaded, you know, traumatized. He runs into this girl in the woods covered in blood. And thinks, I can do something with this. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it works. He ends up being like a fantastic father to her. Oh, yeah. I love their interactions with each other are really great. She says at one point, like, you're the best dad anyone could find in the woods. It's like, (laughs) oh, yeah, it works out. I think they they probably do. You know, we don't get to see this, but it seems like they did some work in healing each other because who wouldn't need some emotional, psycho-emotional healing after being found in the woods in Russia, covered in blood, holding a knife? having assuming assuming just having having watched everyone murder themselves probably some psycho emotional stuff to to take care of there and he needed some healing too from whatever traumatized him so you know they found each other which is lovely and their relationship in this book is so sweet and cute i just love them me too and one of the things i love so we see this a lot and just i think um Alyssa's books I, I want to say Alyssa so badly um in her books but she has like her men are so non-toxic and I love it so much like in this book um the father uh, so Khan is talking to Silas and Athena like just walks up to Khan's room and Khan's like expecting her father to say something and he's like she made her choice and by doing that in front of me is like her telling me she made this choice it's not my business mm-hmm. you know like and I'm not gonna try to be all like uh don't you know like my daughter rah, 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 sort of thing yeah <laughs> you know he respects her decision and choices and that's her she's just like whatever mm-hmm. so you're like, you know like obviously he cares but he's respectful decision which I love seeing um and then same thing with Khan we see so there's that fantastic scene where she's in that like fighting pit and somebody tells him that he needs to like get control over his woman Mm -hmm. and he says no I don't she's magnificent I'm just like yes yes non-threatened man Uh uh-huh it's so lovely dudes that are secure in themselves and respect the decisions of their partners or children mm-hmm. yeah uh, so I love that we saw that and we talked about set recently and we yeah. saw that with set you know he was a he gardened and cooked and was okay we didn't have him really fighting his emotions that much same thing with Khan Khan just kind of realizes it like right off the bat and he's like oh I have feelings okay yeah. hey? I think I love her yes mm-hmm. yeah I think Athena is the one that struggles more with her feelings about Khan Mm -hmm. in this book than Khan is about his feelings for her which is kind of different we don't often see that struggle more from the female side than we do the males so that's Mm -hmm. nice yeah and at one point I think the Silas makes a comment about um him about Athena's feelings and for Khan and Khan is he says to Silas I was thinking about her when I thought I was gonna die that's really significant to mercenaries who for whom death is you know part of their job um so I don't I just I really I love all of the the male characters in this story except the bad guys obviously naturally they suck but our main male leads they're lovely in this story um i really enjoy silas and uh athena's interactions with each other she calls it well she calls him dad uh, but he calls her cub Mm -hmm. and they when they go to scotland and someone tries to kill athena and 
con in their hotel room. You know, Athena murders the guy, drags him to the bathroom, calls her dad. He shows up with a, a kit to dismember the body. And they have this like ritual where they set a timer to see if they can <laughs> beat their record. And it's so morbid and terrible, but so cute how competitive they are. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I just, I don't know. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that dismembering a body would yeah. ever be cute? But it is, and Khan's acceptance of it too. And he's just like, wow, that's sexy. Yeah. It remind this reminds me of like the Adams family a little bit, you know, how everything is just so like dark but still <laughs> funny. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um it just this is I don't know it's like reframing those normal familial interactions that you would have with your family, but in, in the, in a family of mercenaries, if you think about the competitive things that you have with your dad or siblings or whatever, but you reframe it in the context of like death being your norm. It's, yeah. it's kind of different. I don't know that I've read a book where people are so lighthearted and jolly about killing other people. <laughs> But it's, it's cute. Their interactions with each other are really cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the acceptance that Khan feels with this too, because I mean, you know, everybody seeks out some type of companionship. Uh, we're meant, humans are meant to interact with other people. And so Khan has worked mostly alone up to this point. And Athena's always kind of had this family. She had Silas, that the mercenary that raised her, and she had Dante, who became part of their family, and Isabella, who became part of their family. So they have this group of mercenaries, and they're a family, and Khan has always kind of worked by himself. And so it's nice to see him sort of get acquainted with and get comfortable with the idea of being part of this family, being accepted into their family. Yeah, um, he has a couple moments of like missing his family, but loving like having you know this bittersweet feeling, um, watching them all interact, and I love for him to like that Silas and Athena and Isabel they're all just accepting him mm-hmm. and welcoming him in. And I'm like, yes, Khan, that's so sweet. Yeah, it is. I love that their nickname for him is Turkish Delight. Oh, yeah. This is maybe my favorite nickname of all the nicknames that people have been given in the books that we've read. Turkish Delight is the best. (laughs) So his nickname, his other like nickname is Basty. 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 First off, when I was read it, when I was read it, when I was reading it, um, I kept reading his Batsy, like Bat, <laughs> like Batman, yeah. sort of like Batsy. Uh-huh. And that's what I pictured in my head. <laughs> like, anyway, but so it's supposed to be based off of like uh, mythology or something like. Oh, really? But yeah, so I love that that's his nickname. And I love that she worked that in there. That seems like such a obscure thing to know about, especially because yeah. it's not like easily found on the internet. It's like. Turkish nightmare spirit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But we've seen that. So a lot of Elsa Thorne's books revolve around a di- like mythology. So mm-hmm. she's got a, a series about Greek mythology. She's working on a series with Egyptian mythology. She's done some fae lore. And so I feel like it's really on brand for her writing style to incorporate some, although this is a little bit obscure. Uh, some type of mythology into her story. I didn't realize that this was a thing, but I'm glad you pointed it out. Um, there's a lot of sex in this book. There is. On page nine of this book. <laughs> <laughs> and in this house, we support sex in the first chapter. Yes. Uh, I feel like there's more, there, there are more sex. There are more sex scenes in this book than there are in any of her other books, I think. Which I'm not mad about. Yeah. Um, they do a lot of like hate banging. <laughs> they do. It's just like super aggressive. It's great. It is. It is. I love that. 
um they like tease each other so like athena purposely does things to piss khan off so he'll be more aggressive like with so in chapter two when she runs into him and he's been tied up in this gambling den she um uses her knife to not set him free she leaves him tied up which pisses him off and she tosses her knife so that it uh i think it ends up opening some viper cages so that they can escape which makes him even madder he's like you <laughs> left me and you set the snakes free <laughs> and she's like i'm so glad i did that he's gonna be so hard on me later <laughs> i know it's great and they're um flirting with it too so in their first interaction he she brings up like that she's like claims that she's married and has four kids Mm -hmm. And he says, um, so he referring to Athena's fake husband is going to be devastated when he learns it's me. You masturbate over every time he fails to please you. <laughs> like, oof. all right. You got some confidence there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then I love their, their flirting is so weird, but so cute. So it comes up later on closer to the end of the book. Um, and again, Khan is, so she's talking to Athena. He says, he goes, fuck, Edgeworth, if you ha do have a husband somewhere, I'm going to have to kill him. And he also says he's going to kill her four imaginary children, <laughs> especially to me. Yeah. It's great. It's just, I mean, they're mercenaries. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like weird mercenary humor, but I'm here for it. Yes, I am too. <laughs> um it's yeah it's just really funny and he, like even at the end of the book leo's been kidnapped and they're about to walk into the woods possibly to the death they're going and they're just flirting with each other and it's so like not the time for it mm -hmm. um it it doesn't uh it doesn't stop them um and their dad is silas her dad is finally like stop flirting right now before i shoot both of you <laughs> yeah that's great they're cute mm -hmm. um in a weird you know murdery way they're cute yes and this is so this is what is different from we just talked about Nevernight a couple of weeks ago which is also about assassins i guess that's different from mercenaries a little bit but i mean there's a lot of death in both of these books right Mm -hmm. but there are uh, like it's romantic undertones with murder in this one versus with Nevernight, which is murder without romantic undertones. And that is just so, it, it's so dark. Nevernight was so, so dark and I enjoyed it, but it's just really different from the things that we've been reading recently, mm -hmm. I guess. And I, I guess what I'm saying is if there's going to be a lot of murder, I need there to be some romantic undertones with it. I agree. It helps soften the murder. It does. <laughs> yeah. It, does, it helps soften the murder. Um, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with murder as long as there's some flirting thrown in. <laughs> yes. And you don't take out any of the animals. Yes. That's yeah. true. Especially the animals. Yeah. Athena gives me like Lara Croft Tomb Raider vibes because she, you know, is handy with guns and knives. And but she looks for these relics to return them to their rightful owners, which is a very much a Lara Croft thing. Like she looks for the things to put them back where they belong, not to profit from them, which is not what Khan is doing. He's getting them to his boss for profit. And so I, I like that about Athena, that she was looking at for these things to return them to their rightful owners. Um, but then we get to the end of this book where there are people, you know, in a orgy on drugs, wearing horns, covered in blood and paint. <laughs> and there's a guy on a on a horse with a mask on and they've all got these horns I thought, this is like 
some eyes wide shut where you wear a mask and there's a cloak and there's an orgy. And that's one of the strangest movies I've ever seen in my life. It was so odd. So yeah, I got a couple of different vibes from the story. <laughs> so I actually got some uh, Selena Sardothian vibes. Oh yeah. From her, but really like it came across when she was in that fighting pit. Oh yeah. Not the rest of the book. The rest of the book was, I felt like unique and stuff for that fighting pit. I was like, I could see, I could see Selena doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially she's like getting the crowd amped up. She's, uh, you know, acting super cocky. She lets the other person get a few hits in before finally killing them. Mm-hmm. And so I could, I just, that gave off those vibes. I was like, this is fantastic. I love this so much. Yeah. That scene was so good. I loved mm-hmm. it. Me too. Um, when she dissociates at some point, she like the, the girl in the forest takes over and, and she ends up murdering the girl that she is fighting with, which, I mean, it was a death match. So someone was going to die and it sure wasn't going to be our main character. Uh, but that's around the time when she dissociates, I think, and that the girl in the cage, I want to say pulls a knife on her and Athena's like, bruh, not the person to pull a knife on. Um, yeah, that was a, that was one of my favorite scenes in the book, I think, because she, she strolled out in a corset and mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's just, it's a really good scene. I love how she is so in love with knives too. And this is what's really sweet. Khan, when they, they meet up and they've had this rivalry for the last three years and he like steals all of her passports and keeps them in a little box full of just her passports. And he's collected knives over the years that he thinks she would like. How thoughtful is that? I know. And he doesn't even realize he's doing it. And I love it. It's so cute. At one point, she's like, I need I need another alias. And he's like, wait, wait, I got you covered. He just pulls out this box of her passports that he's stolen. <laughs> oh, how sweet. Right. Um, <laughs> I love Isabella. Um, when Athena tells her that, you know, he stole her passports again. Isabel goes, I just know he has like a wall full of your passport somewhere that he masturbates furiously to. <laughs> and she then asks like, what do you mean? Like, why furiously? And she goes, well, obviously he like hates himself and is disgusted by himself. I bet he doesn't even use lube and he just spits on his hand <laughs> and angrily masturbates. <laughs> I just see imagery of that. I can just, it's amazing. Isabella was great she was uh, one of my favorite characters I think I wish there was more of her I wish there was more of her again uh, more please yes and there's definitely something going on with her and Silas Mm -hmm. and Silas is like Silas's daddy so I'm really hoping we get a book featuring them Mm -hmm. I love a middle-aged silver fox like mercenary vibe I'll take that. Yeah. It's interesting as we get older, more and more comfortable reading like older people books. Cause I feel like older people books, it's not, not a thing. Um, right. Yeah. About older characters. I feel like a couple, not a couple years, but like 10 years ago or something, if I was reading books and it was about maybe like a man in his forties or early fifties with graying hair or something, I'd be like, uh, I don't know. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm down for it. Yeah. yeah let's get the silver yeah. Let's go. Do you know why? It's because we're older now and we I enjoy know. stability. <laughs> <laughs> and we know those, <laughs> those men have stability. My criteria for books has changed as I've aged. So mm-hmm. it, like now when I start, like when I'm looking for books, if I see 16 year old Sadie has a blah, blah, blah. I'm like, pass. Yep. I have, I don't have any energy for 16 year old Sadie anymore. I need at least 23 year old. What's her name or 19 year old. What's her name? Who 
does not exist in this world <laughs> like that i think that's the age of what's her name mia in Nevernight, she's 18 or 19 or 17 i don't remember how old she is but it was different the situation was different she wasn't like a sin high school yeah yeah i see that too. I, I don't um oh it was a cassandra claire book the character was like 16 and it was not a bad book it has good reviews you know yeah it, it was not there was nothing wrong with this book it was a good book for you know a, i think a different crowd because i was just like you're 16 i can't this like it's just different yeah it's I just, just different. can't do it anymore and you know there was oh gosh and i can't remember what it is now but this tv series that just it came out on netflix earlier this year with a girl it's the winks saga i can't remember what it what the character's name is but I saw it and I thought, well, this girl has wings. I'm into that. It's a magical school. All right. So I started watching it and it was so cringy and I just hated it. And I think it was because I'm too old for this stuff now, mm -hmm. or, or maybe it was kind of terrible. Maybe it was both, but the cringy high school crap, like I just have outgrown it. I can't do it any longer. Yeah. The times they are a changing. <laughs> We as 30 year olds, 30 somethings crave stability mm -hmm. now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me add that 40 year old man with the graying hair with a nice 401k. <laughs> I'll take him. <laughs> uh, let's talk about your credit score. What's your retirement plan? <laughs> what, what do you invest in? Do you have a fidelity account? <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. The times, they are a changing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so off track. Okay, it is, but that's fine. The people need to know. Um, I, the, so there were, there were a lot of just quotes in this book that I enjoyed just because they were funny and cute and clever and conversational. Um, and that's, that's something that I feel like draws me in or connects me with characters is when they have these fun little witty conversations because it's like being in an actual conversation with them. And I feel like this author does a really good job at writing scenes like that. She's amazing at it. All of them. You know what though? I actually, I couldn't get into her face series. I'm sure there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. I just, I read the first one and then couldn't really get into the other ones. Um, it has good reviews and everything though. So I'm sure it's great. Just something about it didn't like click with me, but all of her other books, all of the banter, especially, you know, the Hades book and, um, that whole thing, their, their whole group. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. The banter, yeah. the friendship. It, she's so good at it. And I, I love it. And I just, I want so much more. Make your books longer. <laughs> yes. Like the friendships are good and supportive. They're healthy mm -hmm. friendships. I really enjoy them. And I did read the face series and I really liked it too. Um, she just, she writes really good of friends. Like she, the relation, the romantic parts that she writes are good, but the friendships are great. Near the end of this book, we see a sort of a shift in perspective. So the chapters have been narrated by Athena and Khan up to right up to the end but we get to the earthly delights club scene and our narration shifts to dante and leo which i understand why because con and athena aren't present for that i did find the shift a little bit kind of bizarre um but leo gets awfully cocky for someone who's never been put in a situation where he's had to be bait before mm -hmm. he walks into the bar and starts he takes like four vodka shots which first of all i i oh vodka shots like i can feel that <laughs> Ugh. i can't i've reached the age where i can't do that anymore and cool like i can feel the fire coming out of my throat just thinking about that <laughs> And Dante is like, hey, bud, maybe you need to slow down. And Leo's like, I got this. And he's like, do you, Leo? You ever bit? I like, this is your first situation being bait. You don't want to take things a little bit slower. And then 
the bartender comes in and is super chummy. He's like, oh yeah, let me just make you a drink. It's going to be real tasty. And hey, by the way, I have a friend who's having a party out in the woods later. And it's like, Leo, Leo. <laughs> Why? I... Shouldn't you be a little more aware of what you're drinking? Um, yeah. But then I was like, oh, okay, this is a man. He's never had to worry about being like date raped before. So then I know that that's, I don't, I don't know. That's just, I feel like as a, as a female, that is always on my mind in a bar. <laughs> like you're always aware of the things that you're drinking and covering your cup with your hand and all mm -hmm. of it, whatever anyone buys you, you have to take with a, like some level of suspicion. Leo didn't get that. No. And it just amazes me how some people can, and I know this is a fictional book but like some people would hear like oh yeah I'm having a party in the woods why don't you just come with me and they're like yeah let's go it's like, yeah sounds like a good time it. no the end of this book is a trip oh it's so bizarre it's really no it's just like all this weird shit happens yeah it's like we had very minimal magic through the through this book and then all of a sudden we're at the end and it's like everything magic magic orgy magic plants magic stag thing magic whatever like all of the magic maze yeah magic yeah. maze suddenly we're harvesting the energy of 39 people like where where we needed some I feel like we needed some more setup for all of the magic <laughs> we were gonna run into at the end of this book but this I mean again this is where the eyes wide shut things come in and it's like oh seemingly not super weird movie suddenly becomes a very strange all right um yeah oh Athena walks into that maze and it's like nope mm -mm, you never go into a maze in the dark <laughs> especially because she's following a voice yeah, like don't follow the voice. It's not your friend. But then she doesn't really have a choice. Like he kind of ensnares her. Liddell does and doesn't let her go. So that's tricky. And also, like we're kind of left with these unanswered questions, which will hopefully be answered later on because he tries to force her to submit and she's able to resist pretty well. Then he brings up how they didn't realize that she escaped from Russia. And now that they found her, Gadal is going to be super happy about it and we don't know what that means what does this mean I'm assuming this is going to be these questions will be answered hopefully in another book in this series I hope so because I, I'm surprised by Athena or pr proud of her maybe I don't know I just like that instead of kind of pushing for answers for a question she was like throws a knife yeah pretty much yeah and we get a nice little teamwork moment there too like she's mm -hmm. being compelled and the plants are like holding her to the ground or something and so it's like the last little bit of free will she has she throws the her knife to disrupt the magic circle so that Khan can use the magic he's capable of to bring down the bad guy and he doesn't get answers either his parents were murdered and he was Liddell was his revenge plan and he just kills him without actually getting the answers that he was hoping for. And then after they kill him, they walk back into the mansion and everybody in the orgy is dead. Yeah. Got fried. Easy cleanup though. Like this. <laughs> I mean, they just set the house on fire. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. They both have this inner conflict where it's like, oh, we should just kill. I should just shoot him. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been doing this back and forth thing for three years and he keeps stealing from me or she keeps stealing from me, but we, but the sex is so hot and I know I should just kill the other person, but I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. I like that uh, Athena is able to speak with her father about her relationship concerns. Um, and I think her concerns are legitimate. I, it would be there. I could see there being some logistical issues to being a mercenary and dating a mercenary. Mm -hmm. You could kind of work it out where you have this Mr. and Mrs. Smith vibe going on where you're both assassins. But I mean, how 
how do you make that work? Cause she says like, he's never going to have a normal job and I'm not either. Yeah. I feel like that would be, I mean, that, that would present a, a different sort of relationship challenge. There would, the barriers in, the, in that type of relationship would be different from what you would typically run into. But I mean, if you're a mercenary, who better to date than another mercenary? You would understand exactly what their like bad day at work would be like. Uh, a little bit about the sex descriptions in this. I... So she writes it. So here's like one of the things she, she was coming hard and hot, tears leaking from her eyes. She was reduced to, to a sobbing and soaked mess. I just, I don't like the sobbing. I don't totally understand that. In romance books, I've seen it a bunch, sobbing or weeping or thrashing. Maybe I just haven't had that kind of sex or something, but I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. Like, it doesn't yeah. sound necessarily bad. Um, I still enjoy the sex scenes in this book, but... I don't know maybe it's just the word yeah because a lot of times when you think sobbing you're sobbing because you're sad or distraught for some reason and that's obviously not what's happening in this situation she's sobbing out of pleasure i've just never been in a situation where i could relate to that descriptor and gasping yeah yeah sobbing is just like sobbing and weeping because i think she is weeping at some point too they're just so, like, when I think of those things, it's, like, in really intense and, like, crying and, like, headache-inducing crying, too. You know, like, right. I'm weeping and crying. I'm probably going to get a headache. Yeah. Just, yeah. Those, those descriptors are typically associated with experiencing, like, more negative emotions. Yeah. When Athena and Khan go and meet with his old boss, she says to Athena or about Athena really, I can't decide whether she is plotting to kill me or not. And Athena goes, this is just my face. <laughs> and it just makes me think of resting bitch face. Like, this is just my face. There's nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm not angry. It's just, I'm just, this is just my face. Mm -hmm. I would love to see how Athena responded if some dude told her to smile. Oh, she'd probably respond and give him like, um cut his mouth like in the joker or whatever uh, you know? give him joker scars yeah Heath Ledger's joker be like how about you smile mm -hmm. let's talk about our quotes yes so I picked a quote Athena says this to Khan um this kind of again goes back to their banter and flirting that I really enjoy uh, so Khan is worried that he'll have to see Athena die, right? Like he did with his parents. And Athena goes, you aren't going to have to watch me die, Khan. If for no other reason than that, if we do get into a fight, you're going to die way before me. <laughs> it's reassuring. I love that. It's probably accurate. Mm -hmm. yes. Oh, the one thing I want to say, I love that her, the bounty for her was more than his uh-huh so that was great yeah and Khan's like it's because Liddell knows that it'll kill me to see her die first or to see her die and it's like is it or is it because she's amazing mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's because she's amazing yeah um so my favorite quote is basically just like their, his declaration of love for her. So he says, um, Khan says this to Athena um, when he's being like kind of possessive of her, like he's just, he, he wants her to be his. And so she's like, where did this come from? And he says, I've just stopped fighting against the obvious that you make my blood turn to fire, that your rage echoes mine, that our sharp edges and inner demons match, that you are mine. 
How cute is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all just searching for someone who matches our like sharp edges and inner demons, I guess. And so it's nice that even for these mercenaries who mostly live their lives, like kind of separated and isolated from other people, especially con that they can find someone who understands them and can support them. So I like this because it's cute. It is cute. I also actually highlighted that quote about the sharp edges. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. Yeah, they're cute. Yeah. He, she, um, she, they almost like they get into this fight thing and he, she's like, is this you being possessive again? And he says, no, it's me not wanting to watch the only person I've ever given a shit about die in front of me. Ah. That's so sweet. How cute are you? Mm-hmm. I love how accepting he is of his emotions. Yeah. I love that. I'm, it's the angst of like, you know, pushing stuff away can be fun. But having somebody just be like, yeah, all right, I get it. I get, got these feelings. I'm going to go. I'm going to run with it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to work towards my goal. Mm-hmm. Turns out it. I love you and I want to be with you. So let's do it. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, no, I can't love her because she's my enemy. Angst. My tainted past. Yes. My heart and heart. My embittered life. Mm-hmm. I can't have feelings. Yes. Yeah, so it's good to have, especially to see male characters embrace their feelings. Yeah. Yep. I love her books. I really hope there's another book in this series. I feel like she's kind of set it up for there to be more. Mm -hmm. So I hope that there are. I really want Daddy Silas to have a book. Yes. Me too. I wonder, it'd be really interesting if she wrote um, Dante and Leo. That would be spectacular. I'd be down for that one too. Yeah, I'd definitely read that. I mean, I mean I I'm going like to read it anyway. She set, up the, she set up in this story for there to be some type of something there. So I could see her, if I were her, I would write Daddy Leo and Isabella. And I would write Dante and Daddy Leo, Daddy Silas and Isabella and Dante and Leo. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll but see. I hope we get those books. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up Darkest Night by Alessa Thorne. We will be discussing A Shadow in the Ember by, what's her name? Jennifer L. Armentrout next week. And then uh, hopefully by that time, we'll be back on track with God's grave. Um, But we were super pumped for a shadow in the ember. So there's no way we can't not discuss that almost as soon as it comes out. So that'll be what we're covering next week. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.